Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, have you ever wondered what Jesus' resurrection means for you and your life specifically? Uh, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but the whole concept of resurrection still feels a bit foreign to you. Um, well, if that's you today, you're not alone. And today, Pastor Nate's going to take us through um, some scripture and really help us see what does the resurrection mean for us in our lives today? And hopefully by the end of this conversation, you see that the resurrection has huge implications for you and your life today. That's part of being immovable. You know, like this future resurrection is coming. I'm more than okay. The Lord is good. And this future resurrection is going to occur. This life that I'm living today is just a little breath in comparison to what my real life is about. Nate, when you think about your resurrected body, what is like your most favorite thing you're looking forward to? Is it going to be like, just like dunk over everybody in heaven? (laughs) Is it going to be to run just hundreds of miles? What is it? (laughs) Oh, I don't know, man. I I feel like any any answer I give is just going to come off sounding too spiritual, but <laughs> I think I'm just so looking forward to the inability to sin. Mm. And I am so looking forward to having a vessel that can fully um contain, not contain, that's the wrong word, it can fully consume God mm. without exploding, you know. Just to, I mean, you know, those moments, they happen so infrequently in life where you're maybe in a time of worship or a time of prayer. Maybe they've happened two or three times in your whole life, but just where everything is just, um, everything else disappears Mm -hmm. and you just feel like liquid love pouring through your body and it's the presence of God. Um, you just, I just imagine, you know, what, uh, if if that happens, you know, from time to time here on earth and just such a obviously filtered Hmm. way, what's it going to be like when that there is no filter, you know, and, and you just get the full radiance of his glory and your body's able to handle it. Right. That's just, I think it's going to be incredible. Praise God, man. Yeah. That's so good, dude. Uh, I can't wait for that either. I'm just really glad that we're, today we're talking about this. You know, the um, the article you wrote is how your future resurrection can impact your today. Yeah. And I know it's kind of just being silly at the beginning, but man, I think this is like really important for us as Christians to really consider how our future resurrection really can impact today. I just feel like maybe I'm the only one, but I have a hard time sometimes connecting that future resurrection with my today, um, but we just know that that is so informative for the way that we live our lives. And in this article, Nate, you talked about, um, it's kind of like an action item list um, inspired by our future hope of resurrection for today. Um, I just wanted to ask you, um, how did you come up with this list? There's, uh, I think, four or five things you wrote down here. How did you come up with this list? Yeah, well, uh, last summer, we, as a church on Thursday nights, I think it was, or Tuesday nights, we went through the book of First Corinthians That's together, right. mm-hmm. and I taught 
fairly briskly through the book. And so we were able to come to 1 Corinthians 15, which is a chapter about first the resurrection of Christ Hmm. and how his resurrection became the first fruits of our future resurrection, the resurrection really of all things that he's going to unite to himself. And so he elaborates on not only Christ's resurrection, the veracity and truthfulness of it, all the witnesses who saw it, but then he moves on to the importance of it, that without his resurrection, our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. We're of all people the most pitiable. Mm -hmm. And then he explains how the resurrection of Christ gives us a new philosophy on life and how if there is no resurrection, no life after death that we are preparing for today, Mm -hmm. um, no glorious kingdom, new heavens, new earth that we're going to occupy with Christ, then we might as well just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Why suffer? Why preach the gospel? Why prioritize the Lord in that kind of way if there's no uh, forever life with him? And, And then he began to explain what it will be like, what our bodies will be like, that the bodies that now are earthly will be celestial, or the bodies that are like a seed now will be full grown and and bloom forth, you know, in glory, or the bodies that are temporal today will be uh, eternal, or the bodies that are inglorious today and, you Mm -hmm. know, have to do rather inglorious things. We don't need to fill in the blank on what those are, but... (laughs) will one day be glorious and yeah. without any of the trappings of of inglorious things that we that we are now and today and then he said and ultimately it's that we were in adam but we're now in christ and right. one day we're going to be remade into the image of Christ, the second mm. adam right now we're made in the image of adam but one day we'll be remade into the image of christ And in that day, which will happen in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, uh, and our flesh is remade, uh, in that day we will sing, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? Mm -hmm. And so then at the end of all that, Paul said, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not mm. in vain. Yeah. And those are my four points of how our future resurrection can impact our today. Number one, be steadfast. Right. Number two, be immovable. Number three, always abound in the work of the Lord. Number four, know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So yeah. you you asked, you know, how did I come up with that or where did those four points come from? They came from 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, but backed up by the you know, major movement of the text to that application point that Paul wanted to give to them, that there is the resurrection. And so let's live life today Mm. in light of that. Mm. Come on, man. Well, let's talk about each of these four points. Uh, Let's talk about being steadfast for a moment. What does our future resurrection have to do with us actually being steadfast today? Well, I mean, we live in a in a 
shifting and moving and chaotic world mm-hmm. uh, filled with um, distractions, filled with uh, temptation, mm-hmm. filled with different purposes for life that people will say, you know, I think that the reason or the meaning of life is this or the right. meaning of life is that. But when people say, I think the meaning of life is what they're really saying is this is my best guess. You know, (laughs) I'm not really all that certain, but Paul was a man who was absolutely certain. Mm -hmm. He knew that his body was going to enter into eternity with Christ. He knew that what he was today was simply a seed for what he would be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. He knew that if he did not care for God today, then why would a resurrection be any reason to rejoice? Because God was going to be where he was going, who he was going to. So, yeah, to be steadfast, um, I think it speaks of focus. Yeah, I think you're right. Focus. Uh, The idea that I am not going to be shaken from these different things that I know the Lord has asked of my life, hmm. you know, the purpose that he's given to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be shaken from being controlled by him and led by him. You know, it's interesting, you know, a young man will make a commitment to the Lord, you know, at some point in his life, perhaps. And for a moment, you know, a season feel very excited about that hmm. yeah. commitment. And, Things will go well for a little while, but inevitably it will become difficult. Mm-hmm. It will be hard for him to continue to prioritize the Lord. And so to be in that place in your life where you say, no, because of that future resurrection, not because mm-hmm. of my circumstances today, not because of what I think I'm getting out of it today, right now, right, but because I know where I'm going, because I know what life is really all about, that Christ came to reunify me with God and the resurrection will be like the final step in that great reunification process. And so if that's what life is all about, I'm going to live as if life is all about being unified with, with God. So I don't want to you know, do things that are going to break that unity, mm-hmm. cause me to walk in darkness because he's in the light and can't walk with me. If I'm walking in darkness, I'm not going to do right. stuff like that because of where I'm going, who I am, I'm going to remain focused. Mm. Um, but you know how it is. It's distractions come in life. Oh, yeah. Um, that, and so the future resurrection should help us kind of become solid, stable, firm. I love that. It kind of moves right into uh, the next point you had of being immovable. You talk about, I like the word you used for uh, being steadfast when you said focus. And for immovable, you say um, it's like being persistent in this life. So um, what, what is it about that future that helps us to really be persistent in life? Yeah. It helps clarify what, I mean, there, it's obviously very tied to steadfast. Yeah, you know, be totally. steadfast and movable. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like these words are interchangeable. But 
the idea of immovable is just, yeah, I think with steadfast, it's like you're focused moving in a direction. Immovable, right. it feels a little bit like, no, I'm just staying. I'm just staying. I'm just yeah. solid. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was reading this morning um, in my quiet time. I'm in the book of Job. And in, uh, I think it was Job 19. I'm actually going to turn there just so I don't mess up the quotation. But you know how the book of Job reads. You've got Job's friends coming and trying to um, correct him, basically. Mm. You know, their, their, their basic premise is, uh, hey, nobody has stuff like this happen to them unless they're guilty of something, (laughs) you know, like God just couldn't let you get away with whatever your sin is. And so this happened in your life. And that that was one of the things that they said. Yeah. Anyways, they went back and forth. Job, you know, had all these different responses, but I was reading today. He had a response to one of the guys named Zophar and it was, it was actually in Job 21 and verse seven Mm. through 16 he just began to describe all these people that w- were walking the earth at the uh-huh. time who life was just great for them. <laughs> really just great. He talked about how they grew old with health. They grew powerful. Their offspring were established. Their descendants were established. They had houses. Their children's children danced their flocks grew they spent their days in prosperity and he said you know they have all this stuff like mm-hmm. they're just doing so great they're in t- they're at total peace they have ease and they say to god depart from us mm-hmm. we do not desire the knowledge of your ways you know job was just tripping out on the fact that on earth there are so many people living what seems to be like the perfect, right. quintessential, peaceful life mm-hmm. who have actually said, whether out loud or internally in their yep. hearts, who's God? I don't want to yeah. have anything to do with him. And it was interesting when I was reading about that, you know, we live in a in an affluent right. area, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that there's plenty of people in our community who I hope that their hearts change and I, you know, praying for them. We want to do what we have to do to reach out to them. And we completely understand because we're all fallen and broken, but plenty of people who would have that kind of description. Life is good. Generally, they got the family, the Mm -hmm. kids, the house, the property, the possessions, the affluence, but who have said, Who's God? I don't. I don't want to know Him. Hmm. I don't want to ha- have that as part of my life. And and as I was thinking about that, I was just thinking, you know, it's one thing when you're confronted with a sin that the obvious results of the sin are so abhorrent. Right. So you see, like someone who's been doing crack for twenty years, mm-hmm. and you look at their body their face, their mind, and you just say, I can see the ramifications of that sin. Mm -hmm. I can see what it has done to that person. And so that's where the appeal is made, right? You know, hey, 
you don't want to go down that route be, mm-hmm. because look at the ramifications. And as I was reading that from Job this morning, I just thought, you know, it's almost more difficult hmm. to say no to sins in which the consequences just aren't very obvious. Oh yeah. You know, normalized by our culture. Yeah. You just see like the affluence, the, Mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff. And, you know, we even know that there's an element there where there's nothing wrong with those things. True. You know, there are meant to be inside the collection of God's community, wealthy Mm -hmm. and impoverished people Mm -hmm. together for the Lord. Paul told Timothy, tell the wealthy in your church, not to trust in the uncertainty of riches, Mm -hmm. you know, give them on instruction. Here's specific rules that they need to follow Mm -hmm. different truths. They're going to need to receive for their unique situation that they're in. Right. So it's like, we know that we know that it's the love of money. That is a root of all kinds of evil, not money itself. But I, I was just thinking, man, you know, that, that rebellion. So hmm. when those types of temptations come into your life, I was even just thinking about our little church staff here, yeah. you know, and just thinking like, yeah, you know, that's difficult. Hmm. You're you're living and serving in an affluent community like mm-hmm. this. It's difficult to continually say like, you know, that's not going to be me. Right. And and I'm okay with that, you mm-hmm. know. That's not always an easy thing when that's just put in your face mm-hmm. constantly. But that's part of being immovable. Yeah. You know, like this future resurrection is coming. I'm okay. God's provided for all of my needs. Yeah. That's not what's happening for me, but I'm more than okay. The Lord is good. And this future resurrection is going to occur. This life that Mm -hmm. I'm living today is just a little vapor, just a vapor, right? Just a breath in comparison to what my real life is about. So it just kind of helps you like not move from what life is all about, I uh, think. That perspective can be so helpful and not being not being movable. It's so good. The third point that you get to Nate is always abound in the work of the Lord. So here you talk about the word abound and how it connects to fruitfulness in our lives. How does the future resurrection motivate us uh, today to work for the Lord? Hmm. Yeah, abounding in the work of the Lord. <clears throat> Fruitfulness. The uh, the illustration I used in the article, I'm just looking at it right here, came from the book of Genesis when uh, Joseph, he was sold into slavery by mm-hmm. his brothers, you know, and then through God's sovereignty after a couple of years in slavery, then in prison, he eventually became Pharaoh's right-hand man, you know, the second mm-hmm. most powerful man in all of Egypt. And when his family was finally reunited with him and his father, Jacob, who became Israel, when he was about to die, he blessed all of his sons and kind right. of, I use the word bless very usely, uh, loosely because some of them are actually curses, but... <laughs> He had these different statements about his sons, and he said of Joseph, his branches run over the wall. Hmm. You know, this guy has just become 
abounding. He has become fruitful. He's made a wonderful impact in uh, the lives of other human beings. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I just think about that. I think that's such a great vision to have, you know, that we would be abounding, that there would be this fruit that spills over from our lives into the lives of others. Mm. And, you know, if you really believe in the future resurrection, if you really believe that this life is not all there is, that there is an eternity with God, that there's a new kingdom that he shed his blood to purchase and will establish eternally. If you really believe that, then, you know, it sets that steadfast and movable focus to like get busy. Mm-hmm. Do things here now, you know. I mean, I, I think we're gonna. There's an element in which we're going to be serving the Lord for forever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, in praise, adoration, um, but I think it's pretty obvious that what we have today in this era here on this version of mm-hmm. planet Earth that we're living in. Uh, rather than uh, a millennial kingdom here on earth or the new heavens and new earth, right. you know, whatever your eschatology is, I, I think no matter what your eschatology is, we would have to confess this is a unique time Yeah, with these bodies that are not yet glorified and mm-hmm. all of that. And what a chance, like a billion years from now, you know, if we even count in that right. way with yeah. the Lord, but a billion years from now, um, we're, we're not going to have the same opportunity. Hmm. There aren't going to be people to share the gospel with there. There isn't going to be, uh, ministry or work Hmm. to do for the Lord in the same way that there is today. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Paul seemed to want the Corinthian believers to, you know, continue to prioritize the work that they were doing in their church, in their community. Mm. Uh, So, you know, my thing is just like, there's a balance in life and we, you know, shouldn't be a people who neglect the ministry of our careers or our families or uh, even good stewardship of ourselves, our own bodies, you know, things like that just so that we can be at the church building six nights a week or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, But there are people to disciple. There are ministries to lead. There are people to teach. Mm -hmm. There are humans to love. And um, I think in general painting with a broad brush, but I think in general, in our culture that we're in, the danger isn't so much an overcommitment to the work of Mm. the Lord, but a total undercommitment to the work of the Lord. Right. You know, where it's going to church 1.7 times a month. Um, I'm, you know, maybe volunteer for an event or two. Yeah. When actually, you know, things where you could help disciple somebody you could help serve in a ministry you could help lead a small group there are things that you could do you Mm -hmm. know so i'm so proud of the people who who do that who are abounding in the work of the lord Mm, that's real good man 
let's just kind of wrap this up with the last phrase from that verse. Um, point number four was, know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I know this ties really closely to what you were just talking about, but I know for some for some of us, sometimes it can be difficult to labor because you know we want results right now. We want to see people change their lives right now, repent from sin right now, or you know we want to see other things like we want to see foster children in homes right now. We want to see um, people freed from addiction right now. And I can go on and on and on, but maybe we can just talk about how the future resurrection helps us as we're laboring because we're kind of results-oriented people. <laughs> um, how how does that like inform the way that we? labor like not in vain like how does that resurrection um give us like the oomph i guess to Mm -hmm. to keep moving forward you know yeah i like this sentence but when we remember what we will become glorified and free of the encumbrances and limitations placed upon us by our bodies of flesh we can rejoice that the labor will not always be so ferocious. <laughs> ferocious is a great ferocious, word for it, man. I'm like, oh, I like this guy, whoever wrote this. That is such a good description of what the work of the Lord sometimes totally, is like. You know, totally. it just it feels, you know, tedious at times, nonstop at times, you know, inescapable at times. Yeah. Never finished ferocious you know (laughs) in just the the necessity you know the the urgency that's constantly there and just to know that it's not in vain the lord sees it the lord loves it you know the lord approves of it um you know sometimes i'll talk with a believer who's who says you know like well but every tear is going to be wiped away i don't think the crowns are really going to mean all that much to Mm -hmm. us you know once we get there and we're not going to have regrets for all of eternity you know in a billion years no one's going to be saying oh i wish i'd have done more you know or whatever and uh they're probably right like i don't know how all that's going to work out i just know that I love Jesus and for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. I just think that's going to, if I get to hear that, I just think it's going to echo in oh, my yeah. brain for a billion years. For eternity, man. You know, like I, I just, absolutely to know that that's what he loves, yeah. to know that that's what he's into, that that's what he appreciates and that he will not be outgiven. I mean, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. So it's not in vain. It's not in vain, you know, and sometimes we feel that way. I think, you know, as we're plugging away, it can feel like, man, what am I, what am I doing? You know, but for you out there who are giving some of your life to serve the Lord, know that it's not in vain. Know that he sees what you're doing. Know that he cares about you. Mm -hmm. Know that he, you know, realizes that there is intensity attached to it. That's why he said, you know, if you take up your cross and follow after me, you're going to find your life. That, that was not a statement of ease. He knew mm-hmm. that there would be some pain attached to that. We're imitating Christ, after all. We're entering into the fellowship of his sufferings, after all. And he knows that. So yeah. to realize, like, it, he sees it, it's a labor that is not in vain. And if you just think about that, there's not a whole lot in life that you could say that about. Yeah. There is plenty of labor out there that is in vain. Yes. There is plenty that we can spend our lives and our time on that mm-hmm. is in vain. We can 
entertain ourselves till we're blue in the face. And there will be a point where we feel that was in vain. Why did I do that? Why did I fritter my life away? But there is a labor that is not in vain. We're told of it in scripture. So to, to see it and then embrace it because the resurrection is coming is really in a lot of ways the wisest kind of life. Sometimes I'll talk with parents who their their uh, adult child who mm-hmm. is maybe in their 20s or so is thinking about a life serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you know, I believe that every Christian is called to serve the Lord. We're all right. called to full-time ministry. I don't think yeah. there's this weird false dichotomy, you know, between people who are in ministry and out of ministry. I think we're all supposed to be in ministry. Amen. Um, but sometimes I'll talk with someone who they look at their child and they think, you know, why? I, I don't want them to to do church work. I don't want them to do that. It just seems like such a waste of their talent or their mm. ability or whatever. But we know from scripture, it is not a waste. Yeah. It is a wise kind of life. So, you know, know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Thanks for tuning in today. If you'd like to hear some more content from Pastor Nate, please subscribe to the Jesus Famous Podcast. Each week we'll be posting conversations just like the one you just heard, as well as some live readings that Pastor Nate is posting a couple times a week. For any more articles, books, or resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com. Catch you next week.